for me, staying ready just means like opportunities can arise at any time. And just being at a level of confidence with yourself that if you are presented with an opportunity, listen, no one's going to sit and wait for you like a week or two weeks or three weeks to figure out if this is something that you want to pursue. If an opportunity presents itself, have the conversation, right? It may be something that's totally off track from where you have like these goals and these affirmations and this vision board. You're like, I plan to be right here on January 1st, 2023. Well, sometimes you get presented with an opportunity that says, hey, would you like to be here on December 31st, 2022? I don't know. Let's talk about it and see what it entails. So stay ready. Stay ready to have the conversation and understand what's in it for you. Absolutely. My name is Fela Abioye. And this is How to Corporate, my digital show dedicated to helping you identify what's holding you back so you can advance your career. Are you ready for today's topic? Well, let's get started. Welcome back to How to Corporate. I've said many times before, I'll keep reiterating it, that I created this show to empower you, the working professional, so that you can better advance your career. So uh, I do so by bringing on guests with diverse backgrounds to share their stories and talk through their career challenges so that you and I can learn from their experiences. You know, that's the mission. That's our purpose. That's our cause. So with that, I'm super excited about my next guest, who has a really, really awesome background and doing a lot of tremendous work in the local community in Chicago. So without further ado, Lois, welcome to How to Corporate. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for taking the time out. I know you are super busy and, you know, out here inspiring the youth. <laughs> so I appreciate you taking the time out uh, to, to meet with us today. So I guess just to kick things off, could you please maybe take a moment just to introduce yourself and briefly share a little bit about yourself and the role in your organization? Well, my name is Elois. It's Elois Joseph, but I'm trying to brand myself as just Elois. I got Oprah visions and Oprah dreams. You know, Oprah just goes by the one name. So I'm trying to brand myself like Oprah. So right now it's just Elois. I'm trying to get that out there. And um, I've worked in the financial services industry for over 20 years. Um, came from the west side of Chicago, public housing, you know, that whole nine. And if you aren't familiar with Chicago, um, the demographics, the West Side is one of those areas, very loving area, but a lot of the news that you hear about, you know, not so great stuff about Chicago may come from the West Side at times. So just to give you a little context there. But I grew up on the West Side of Chicago, public housing, single mother, um, hardworking single mother. And I'm a first generation college student who... um, Landed a job at the Chicago Board Options Exchange, which is a, a global exchange here in Chicago. Didn't know anything about it, but had a great 20 plus year run. From there, I went on to start an organization called the Greenwood Project. Uh, Greenwood, uh, showing respect to the Black Wall Street Greenwood District in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And what we do is we work with students from the south and west sides of Chicago primarily Black and Latinx, uh, helping them learn about opportunities, career opportunities within the financial services industry. So I have dedicated my life to doing that 100% right now. Awesome. Awesome. No, that's, that, that's fantastic. So uh, I guess we'll, we'll start there. Let, let's take it back, you know, um, 
as you mentioned, you spent the last 20 plus years in the financial service uh, industry and, you know, working on the floor as a trader, which is so unique to me and so cool because I always think about those movies where, you know, the folks are on the floor trying to, you know, take orders and whatnot. So, I mean, how, how did you get started in that? How did you, how did you take that on as the, the start of your career? Yeah, it's a long story, but I'm going to break it down and give you the Cliff Notes version. So um, back in the 90s, minimum wage was $4.25, right? And um, I was working at local jobs, Popeye's, McDonald's, Taco Bell, so on and so forth. And I had manager aspirations. You know, you're like, yeah, I'm going to be the manager of this McDonald's. And um, I hated fast food. God, I hated fast food. I'm like, I don't want to be here. The, the You know, it's a lot of hard work, minimum pay. Um, so I went on to work for UPS. Again, I'm going to be the manager. I'm going to be a shift supervisor. Had those big aspirations. And I was a loader. Um, the person who loads these heavy boxes up to 50 pounds and these big um, mat trucks, right? Big container trucks. And um, they were making pretty good money at the time. Again, this is the 90s. And I, they had a strike. They had a big union strike. And you couldn't cross the union line. So I went to this program called Jobs for Youth that was in Chicago and it was a career readiness, like a workforce development career readiness type organization for you 18 through 24. So that was a sweet spot for me. And one of the companies that came was the Chicago Board Options Exchange along with a host of others. And I applied at quite a few and the CBO called back first, went on to work at the CBO. Uh, while working there, I had an entry level price clerk Price reporters, price reporters, that was the name of the role. It was an entry level role called a price reporter. And this was to manually update those ticker symbols where you see the stock of the last price of the, the trade that went up. I did that for a couple of weeks and um, I was in the equities division. And there was an opportunity where you made like a dollar and 50 cents more to go and work in the, in the OEX. That's the OEX 100 index. And um, I told my manager I was interested, but she said, yeah, you haven't been here long enough. That's considered a promotion. Well, many of my peers did not want to go and work in the OEX because it required you to stand. Now, let me give you the, the dynamics of the trading floor. A lot of the support being in those people who are doing like the data entry and the key punch, those are your minorities, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I went on to work in the OEX. And again, you had to stand And many of the people that were in the price reporting role. They didn't want to stand. I was able to go in. My, my manager went and spoke to her team and I was able to get the promotion. So while in the OEX, I was standing next to this guy named Grant Rutlick. Now, if you stand next to me, I'm going to talk to you. You're going to get to know me. You're going to love me. I'm going to love you back. Right. I'm just that type of person. Mm -hmm. And he says, hey, Lois, my clerk is leaving in a couple of weeks. Would you happen to know someone who's interested in a clerk position? Now, again, I'm like 18, 19 years old. Um, and this is why representation is something that I say you can't be what you can't see really matters. Because I started thinking about how I didn't know enough young white men to tell about this amazing clerking opportunity. So I told Grant, let me get back to you. Let me go and see if I can find someone who would be interested in this amazing job. Grant was so confused. He was like, what do you mean? Why not you, Elois? And I said, oh. Yeah, why not me? So I went home, I jumped on my electronic, my electric typewriter, typed up my resume, turned it in. And guess what my peers said? They said, you know, they don't give people like us those kinds of jobs. Mm. So I said, yeah, you know, we'll see. Turned in my resume. I got the job. 
And that was the start to something great. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot to unfold there just about, you know, how we think about predominantly, um, predominantly white spaces and our perception of what we can and cannot do because of our race or gender or things of that nature. So uh, I didn't have any obstacles. I think that's a powerful story. And, you know, for you to show that you had belief in yourself to even think of yourself, right, to, to even go that route because you had opposition around you. And I think, like you mentioned, representation matters when you don't see you've never seen it done before it's hard to imagine what that life would look like and so you had an opportunity yeah. right in front of you Agreed. and other folks could have shot you down you could have easily taken that message saying that well you know they don't give jobs like you know like like those to people like us so and that could have that could have changed your complete story so the fact that you had the wherewithal to say that no i i think i need to give myself a chance here i think that's the beginning to something special and so um, so, so, so to that point, when we spoke initially, I think a key theme and that we talked about was staying ready, right? Think about all the different opportunities that you've had in your life and how you've always kind of persevered and, and pushed on to the next about, and, and, and that key theme was about staying ready. Uh, I, I'd like to you to maybe elaborate a little bit about what you think that means, or maybe explain you know, what staying ready looks like in your career, how you've, how you've been able to apply that kind of sense of uh, mentality. Yeah, so I think that's a two part approach for me. One is staying ready and the other one is figuring it out, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, staying ready just means like opportunities can arise at any time. And just being at a level of confidence with yourself that if you are presented with an opportunity, listen, no one's going to sit and wait for you like a week or two weeks or three weeks to figure out if this is something that you want to pursue. If an opportunity presents itself, have the conversation, right? It may be something that's totally off track from where you have like these goals and these affirmations and this vision board. You're like, I plan to be right here on January 1st, 2023. Well, sometimes you get presented with an opportunity that says, hey, would you like to be here on December 31st, 2022. I don't know. Let's talk about it and see what it entails. So stay ready. Stay ready to have the conversation and understand what's in it for you. Absolutely. And that's something that I apply to my life. I don't get so fixated on this one route or this one path because you never know when a door of opportunity is going to open that just may be worth your time and very interesting. Mm. You know, so I, I like I like good problems. Those are good problems to have. I love good problems. Uh, that's awesome yeah no that that makes sense uh, uh from what i heard from that a key theme is being nimble as well right mm -hmm. um it's always good to have a plan it's always good to have goals and we should all have goals right um but not being so fixated on the route and so much on the end destination right so if the end destination is I just want to be happy and I want to have a successful career that could take many different routes. But, you know, the career yeah. that you're in today could look very different, you know, five years from now, if you come across something that, you know, is intriguing or you decide that you want to make a pivot, don't be so fixated so much just because of your past, because um, that could hinder your future. That's kind of what I'm hearing. Is that, would you, uh, would you say so? That's exactly it. Um, something else I want to talk about that people don't focus on enough of when there's goal setting. Hey, if you're enjoying what you're hearing and learning something new, 
take a second to rate this episode and write a review. Oh, don't forget to share with a friend or a colleague. All right, back to the show. It's one thing to have a goal, but again, you get you, sometimes things go off track. Sometimes you get different opportunities. Uh, sometimes things take longer to achieve than what you have planned for. But if you set a standard while you're setting goals, at least you know this is the least that I will accept, right? Mm. Because you've got your standards. Everyone is so fixated on the goals, but they forget about their standards. As long as I have, as long as I am meeting these standards within my life, I'm okay with going down, you know, path B or path C or path D, as long as nothing is changing about the standard or the quality of my life or what I'm doing. So that's something that's very important that no one ever mentions. You have to have a standard. What are your standards? No, oh, that's, that's, that's fantastic. I think I hear standards. I, I think values, right? So what are your yeah. values? So regardless of what the career it is, I'm sure we all have certain values, right? I mean, we think about in today's world, a lot of people are really embracing the idea of remote work because that, you know, um, provides a lot of flexibility. And if you've got maybe a younger family or you've got a family that has special needs, that flexibility is probably extremely important. So regardless yeah. of the career route, regardless of what you're going after, you know, having the certain values to say, hey, I need flexibility in my career is one of those standards, right, that, that you yes. talked about. So, um, but I think that's an excellent point because sometimes we get too caught up in, you know, job titles, compensation alone and just the quote unquote end goal and we forget about how does this really um align with my own personal standards my own personal value right so so always keeping those at the top of our lens to ensure that we are going the direction that we want to go so um, absolutely yeah something that i tell people is listen help me help you like i'm here to do the work so help me help you and let's let's crush it let's get it done so you spent 15, 20 years, right, within the financial services, right, working within uh, the trading realm. And then you kind of took a bit of a turn with your career. And so now you're more so of an educator, you know, you're an owner, operator of a financial services nonprofit company, Greenwood, which of course we'll talk about. But I'm really interested with how you got to that space and how did Greenwood how did this project really, you know, come to fruition? Yeah. So this again goes with one of those things with having goals that you set. Um, so in the early nineties, it was trading floor support. Um, then I went into a little bit of trading operations. Um, from there, I went on to compliance, actually found, fell in love with compliance. I went to work for a government regulator, an industry regulator, uh, right under the government level of the securities and exchange commission It's called FINRA. And while working at FINRA, my goal was to be a chief compliance officer for a major financial firm, making a lot of money, a lot of money, right? And um, I had one of those, I had one of those uh, career path changes where um, I was starting to to just show kids from areas like mine, like, hey, everyone's going to college who lives in a hood, right? But yet they aren't getting into these high paying jobs. They aren't going into the financial services industry. Where's the disconnect? And then I thought about my childhood. 
I grew up, my mother didn't talk about the trading, uh, the trading industry or financial firms or the stock exchange. We talked about the currency exchange. We talked about the payday loan stores and things of that nature and the title loan. So that was financial literacy in my household, so to speak, like who has, who has the longest turnaround time before they come and repossess your car, right? So again, and I went to college and then I started thinking about there are so many other smart kids who live in the hood who just have not had exposure to these opportunities. And when people think about the financial services industry, they're like, oh, I'm not good at math. It's more than math. It's far more than math. There's a human resources department, a marketing department, legal department, graphic design, so on and so forth. But we don't know about it because no one has exposed us, right? And our families can't expose us. So somebody's got to do it. Why not me? So um, I started by just taking five kids to the trading floor, speaking to some of my friends who own trading firms or have senior positions at trading firms who allow the students to come in and just shadow them just so they can see what happens down here. And that was in 2016 with five students. Today here in 2022, we've served over 500. Again, my goal was to be a chief compliance officer. Never in a million years would I have ever thought that I would be a founding a nonprofit organization based on uh, grooming and developing young people for careers within the financial services industry. I didn't meet my goal and that's okay, but I kept my standards. And that's, I've made new goals. <laughs> no, that's that's awesome. Big kudos to you for the work Thank that you. you're doing. Um, I, I think that's fantastic. Uh, I grew up uh, very similar, quote unquote, teaching, right? Um, uh, understanding the currency exchange, as you uh, so eloquently put, versus learning about stocks and all that, right? I had to kind of go out and learn all that stuff on my own. But uh, it, it, it's so important to equip young talent and young people with that information very early in life because it's just a building block of information. So um, the work that you're doing is definitely going to continue to really inspire and uh, develop a lot of folks, you know, in, in the area. So just again, really, really big kudos. So I thought that was an awesome, Thank you. awesome story. So, yeah. So let me ask you this, because along the way, you, you mentioned a couple of folks that were, um, maybe impactful in your life as you were kind of going throughout your career, how has building relationships played a factor to maybe your success? Oh my God. Relationship building is, is critical for everyone. Um, something that I teach the, the, the youth over at the Greenwood project is your network is your net worth. Right. And I also try to, to instill in them that it's, it's not what you know, that old saying is not what you know, but who you know, but you still have to know something because you can't get a job and not know anything. Mm -hmm. And I tell them it's, it's really important. It's really important to have a network. It's really important to meet people. Using LinkedIn is one of the most valuable tools I think we have out here to share your story, um, connect with people directly, um, update your posts so they can know like what you're into, what your interests are, and if you're open to working, things of that nature. Um, Interesting. I was reading. So let me tell you, when I was on the trading floor, I had a lot of different jobs and I never, I don't think I ever went to look for a job. Mm. I think I was always, if I'm not mistaken, I believe I was always poached. Like someone was coming to ask me like, Hey, Lois, we have this position. Would you be available? Are you interested? Can we have a conversation? And you know why? It wasn't because my head was always down and I was working so hard. Not at all. 
it was because I was at, I always had my face in the place. And what I mean by that, if someone was having a networking event, Elois was there. So for example, let's say the Asian American Affinity Group was having a meeting. Guess who was at the Asian American Affinity Group? Elois was there. Let's say like if it was the, the Hispanic Heritage Affinity Group, Elois was there. If it was the LGBTQ Affinity Group, Elois was there. Elois just didn't stay with the African-American groups. Elois was present, even if it was just to show up, say hi, shake a few hands, Elois was there. And I think that's so important to relationship building is you have to build relationships everywhere. You just cannot build relationships within your community or your demographic. I feel like everybody's everything. Hmm. That's, that's powerful. That's a powerful message. Having your face in a place, I like that. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. It's a, it's a, it's a big deal. I think, you know, right now we live in such a digital world, and we communicate through text messages and DMs and Zoom and all that, which is great. But there's no substitution for being face to face. There's no substitution for connecting with people um, across the yeah. aisle. And not to say you can't do it virtually, you can. But to your point in showing that you're intentional with how you go out and connect with people and you don't restrict yourself to just, you know, um, being comfortable with your own quote unquote local community. So, um, yeah. so I think that makes a, a very, very big difference. And I think your story is a ex ex great example of when there's opportunities, they don't just come by, you know, posting jobs, right? Like that's not how the, all the real good jobs get, <laughs> get secured right so it, they, they go through networks they go through relationships and and whatnot and so and if when someone has an opportunity and they're thinking oh i just met elois at this event a few months ago and i've got a chance to really get to know her and i think she's super sharp and brings a lot to the table i think she'd be perfect for this before the job post even goes up they just call you up first that's right. That, so. that's, you're, you're absolutely right. I remember that um, the, the, the job that catapulted like my career within the financial services industry was exactly that. Um, so yes, I was poached by Grant Rucklick um, when he asked me if I knew someone who wanted to be a clerk. And then immediately after that, there was Claire Danick who came over to talk to me. She was from New York and I met her. I was friends with, we had a mutual friend. I met Claire and she came to me one day and she was like, hey, we have a position that's open. Wanted to know if you're interested. And I was like, yeah, let me get you my resume. She was like, no, if you're interested, it's yours. So the job never, never even made it to the market. It was like, if you want it, it's yours. So two weeks later, I was working for that company. There it is. <laughs> there it is. There, there, yeah. there it is. No, that's, that's, that's fantastic. But I think that's real. I think people think that that stories like yours are, are the minority. But I, I really don't think they are. I think for all the really good roles out there, I think that's what happens more more often than people give it credit for. So don't discount the power of relationships, right? You know, like Eloa says, keep your face in the place. <laughs> so, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And I mean, you know, typically in corporate America, happy hour is really big. Mm -hmm. I go to the happy hours. I probably can't stay for the duration. But you'd be surprised what a 15 minute appearance at a happy hour can do. And then don't offer to buy a round of beer or like or a bucket of beer or something like that. Like people definitely remember your name. And um, yeah, that's I, th I think I've gotten more 
opportunities, more introductions, again, by being at social work events, as opposed to, oh my gosh, you hit like a 97% percentile on your work submissions. <laughs> you know, those guys are still complaining like, hey, I never got a promotion. Meanwhile, the person who's networking and building relationships is getting opportunities. Mm-hmm. That's well said. I mean, it's a, it's a mix, right? You, you want to have yeah. credibility. You want to be able to be a person that's reliable and incredible. And folks say that you do a good job and you've got a, a good name right in the marketplace, but it, it, it's not only that, right? So uh, hard work alone very rarely just gets you to the mountaintop. So, but you know, you work with your relationships and you work on building connections with people because that's what it yes. boils down to, right? Like you mentioned, it's just building connections. So when you build connections with people and, and you also do a good job, like, you know, it's like you're a double threat. So, when, when, absolutely. Yeah. You spend a lot of time mentoring people through your organization and of course, clearly in your past, which is you know, how you kind of help to develop uh, where you are now with Greenwood. So uh, what do you see maybe some of the most common mistakes early career professionals make when they're looking to, to jumpstart their careers? One of the things that I've noticed or a couple of things that I've noticed that early career professionals um, mistakes that early career professionals make when looking to enter the workforce is. Hey, if you're enjoying what you're hearing and learning something new, take a second to rate this episode and write a review. Oh, don't forget to share with a friend or a colleague. All right. Back to the show. They don't understand the value of getting your foot in the door. Right. So I've seen a number of early career entrants or candidates, let's say candidates at this point, they're interviewing for a company and they've made it to the second round interview. And maybe the role is not exactly what they were looking to do, right? Not exactly, but it's close enough. But this company, let's say company A, company A is really tough to get into, but you've made it to the second round interview for a job that you may not love, but it's your way in. Take the way in. Take, get your foot in the door. And I share a story that I took um, back in 2003. I was laid off um, from one of the companies I was working with because the digital, we were switching to like a digital format, leaving paper because the stock exchange was all like paper based, paper, everything, paper all over the floor. If you've ever seen any like trading places, all the paper is everywhere. <laughs> so everything was becoming um, digital. And um, the division of the company, also, I think the company didn't really recover after 9 11. And at this point, they were just ready to wrap it up, right? So there was a job opportunity that someone came and told me about and said, hey, Lois, there's, um, there's a role open with this one particular company, and it was a battery runner, exactly what it sounds like, a battery runner. Um, because again, there was a handheld terminal, the battery life wasn't great. So they literally needed someone to come and run batteries. And I took the opportunity. Um, I interviewed, took it very, very seriously, even though I was overqualified for it. I took it very seriously. And within about eight or nine weeks, I was back on track to being a book, electronic book trader. Yeah. Right? Because I just needed to get my, I just needed to get my foot in the door. I just yeah. needed to get my foot in the door. So I think that's one mistake that people make. Um, I think another mistake that early uh, the candidates make is thinking about staying with the company for 40 or 50 years instead of um i always have to tell them 
you don't have to stay forever. But if this salary is good or the something about the position is good and you've got one bird in the hand and no one else has called you back, you might want to take it. And guess what? If another opportunity presents itself, you can have the conversation, have the conversation. But if you need a paycheck today, and although you've you've completed like 50 different, sent out 50 different resumes, but you've only heard from this one company, mm-hmm. listen, take the opportunity. So I think that's a lot of mm-hmm. that. Those are a couple of the mistakes that uh, early career searchers often make. Wow, that's I think you made some really, really excellent points. Um, really key gems about not valuing getting just your foot in the door. And I, I even think about my own personal story um, as well. I remember that I've been with the same company now for you know o- over a decade, and I, I was I was applying everywhere. Right, I'm, I'm I'm going everywhere. I work in the financial services industry as well, and. And I just needed somebody to give me a chance. Honestly, it didn't really matter what it was. I just needed a chance. And I remember I applied for the role and, and, and I didn't get it. And I, and I stayed in, in, in a communication with the hiring manager. And just, I just tell him, I said, hey, listen, I'm open to honestly about what, you know, anything. And, and, and because they saw that I was eager and, and I was willing to start anywhere. I mean, the, the next time an opportunity came up, they pretty much gave me a shot at it. And so, and, and, and I was able to, move progress and move up and 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 actually move into a new role about a year and a half later into a leadership role so i i think it's a it's something to be said about just getting the chance because when you don't have the opportunities in front of you you may have a vision in your mind of what that should look like but if that changes along the way you have to kind of change with it going back to your point earlier about having standards and values if if it still is in line at the end of the day with your values and your standards then it's okay to change because yeah. you know, um, nothing is forever. And just because you're in a role today doesn't mean you have to be in a role forever, just to your point as well about yes. people envisioning themselves in the same position, the same company, et cetera, for the next 40 years. No, a lot of things change. Six months, things can change. A year, things can change. So you can do something today and decide that, you know what, I want to try something different. And you know, if you're hopefully with a really good organization, They'll embrace that. And if they see value in you, they'll help you kind of along the way with some of that. So, but, you know, just getting a shot, right? Just so that we can go out and prove yourself and show that you're credible. Um, sometimes you have to just kind of double down and buy into that. So, regardless of what yeah. it looks like. So, I think that's Absolutely. an excellent point. Thank you. Yeah. So, I want to talk a little bit about this because um, about rough patches, right? Because with all my guests, I think it's important to always highlight that we don't always have all good and you know sunshine and rainbows as they call it in our careers. There's always um, the good and the bad that goes along with it. But I think it's important to sometimes highlight the not so great times to show the learning opportunities and that we all go through it. So as you think through your career and you know maybe some of the not so great times or the rough periods in your career, could you maybe think back to a specific situation or a specific period that you went through that wasn't so great in your career and maybe how you worked through it? Absolutely. I have actually quite a few of those. Like my, again, my 20 plus year journey has not always, has not always been rainbows and glitter. It just mm-hmm. hasn't. But I do appreciate those challenges that I had because, you know, and I know it may sound corny, 
But sometimes you need those challenges to come into your life to teach you a lesson. So, so for example. Hey, if you're enjoying what you're hearing and learning something new, take a second to rate this episode and write a review. Oh, don't forget to share with a friend or a colleague. All right, back to the show. Let's say when I got laid off in 2003, I was devastated and embarrassed because, I mean, I got laid off and, you know, getting laid off just sounded like uh, you, you failed at something, right? Mm-hmm. No, no. It set me up for my, it set me up on a whole other trajectory for me to go and do something greater, right? So I, I was laid off. I got a chance to um, experience the summer. Got a job um, doing something that everybody thought I was overqualified for, which I was. But mm-hmm. in a matter of weeks, I was on a whole different path. There was another time where I worked for a person who um, just lacked managerial skills. And he, he did not know how to grow or develop my career. And because of a lot of the challenges that I faced, even though that was a very stressful, stressful time, a lot of the challenges that I faced under his leadership and poor management allowed me to learn from those and teach that to the students who I work with today and let them know like right off the bat, like these are the things that you have to be aware of going into these situations. And I also know what to look for moving forward when I see that I'm working under a person who does not, I don't think he had any issues with developing me. I don't, he just didn't know how to develop me, right? And as a result, my career um, my career suffered just a little bit, just a little bit, but I was still proactive. You have to be proactive as well. Yeah, and then sure. um, there have also been times where I've had someone try to steal my glory, um, try to berate and belittle me in spaces that my contributions have been very much um, impactful and valuable to a company. Um, Again, learning how to navigate that space and 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 manage it professionally, mm-hmm. as opposed to bringing the West Side out of me. Um, <laughs> that was a very learning experience. It was a learning experience, yep. and it worked out the right way. So, um, let me not say the right way, but I mean, like, listen, there's laws and policies and things in place for a reason, mm-hmm. and once certain things are escalated. Um, Policies and procedures are followed. It's compliance. You know what I spent a great deal of my life in. So again, valuable experience, learning opportunity, and I know what not to do or what not to accept the next time Mm. someone tries to pull it. Mm. No, that's that. No, that's. I'm. Thank you for sharing that for sure um, and being vulnerable there because it's important to hear that. It's important to hear those stories. Um, because, you know, we, we all go through them at one point, uh, you know, in, in our careers. And if you haven't gone through them, trust me <laughs> that you, you know, no one is, um, everyone will go through it at some point. So, and it's yeah. important to, to learn from those situations. And, and as you were talking through some of your examples, I even think about, again, to my own personal story, how I've gone through some of those as well. And even though, those are very challenging times and sometimes even really dark times too. But when you get out on the other end of it, you appreciate the learning aspect of it and knowing not only what to do in the future, but exactly what not to do and the sign and what to look out for. Right. Like you mentioned. Oh, absolutely. Before. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
and being able to pass that you see down. You come in and you know how to activate. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I've seen exactly. this before. I've been to this rodeo. Exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. And then your your story becomes that much more powerful as you pass that down, right, to to your students, you know, within Greenwood. And so that way, hopefully, they learn from those lessons, and those stories. So that way, hopefully, they don't have to go through it themselves. So, um, so there's a lot of power and experience. And so, um, but at the end of the day, mm-hmm. clearly, you made it through all of that, and you are success, and and you're doing awesome and, and sharing and uh, and uplifting people around you so i think it's just a an awesome story at the end of the day you know i just think you said the quote of the day there is power in experiences that is so true you have to experience some things to just understand how to navigate and how to get yourself out of things and how to rebuild and how to stay focused or refocus mm-hmm. it's power in having certain experiences yeah mm-hmm. Wow. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, listen, this, this conversation has been fantastic. I would love to keep you <laughs> and keep this going, but I know our time is, is short. So one, I just want to thank you for your time. This has been great and fantastic. And I wanted to, you know, open the floor up to you and maybe share uh, your contact information, whether it be LinkedIn or the website to, to Greenwood for anybody who may be interested and reaching out to you directly or get involved with the project or even donating you know, to the cause as well. I want to make sure I give you that opportunity to share with the listeners. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for this amazing opportunity to share my story. And if I could just have a few seconds to share something that I think is very important that I learned um, a couple of years ago from someone, um, they said, sit next to the power when you go into a room. Like if you're on a job, sit next to the power. You know, typically when we go into an office space or a group meeting or um, a town hall with our um, leadership teams, people tend to sit in the back of the room. Mm-hmm. Sit front and center. That's another relationship builder. Sit front and center because guess what? The, the senior leadership team is going to want to know who is this person that's sitting dead smack in the front and in the center and have your notebook and make sure you're paying attention. Even if you're not paying attention, look like you're paying attention. <laughs> And that goes a long way in getting you recognized and noticed as well, because people want to know who you are. Um, as far as my contact information, please find me on LinkedIn, Elois, E-L-O-I-S, last name Joseph. Um, it says co-founder of Greenwood Project. That's me. Um, Greenwoodproject.org is our website. The name comes from the Greenwood District in Tulsa, Oklahoma, also known as Black Wall Street, and our organization um, basically is, is, is giving Black and Latinx youth opportunities um, and exposure to careers in the financial services industry. We love donors. Please um, get involved if you can, even if it's just mentoring or volunteering or something like that. We, we love people to, to donate time, money, energy. We appreciate it all. I'm going to make sure I include uh, you know, the Greenwood's website, and I'll make sure I include maybe a link to, to your LinkedIn so that way they can uh, hit you up directly if you don't mind. <laughs> no, that would be great. Thank you. Call me. Talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. No, this has been fantastic. I appreciate you guys for listening. Again, uh, as I end majority of these, don't just listen. Don't just take the information in, but apply. It's all about the action. It's all about putting it into world world action. So take the lessons down, right? But figure out opportunities where you can go out and apply this real world. So that's where it starts. So thanks for listening. Take it easy. Peace. Don't forget to like and subscribe. 
For more content, click the link in my bio to follow How to Corporate on all social media platforms. Until next time, keep building.